Hey, Danny, how you doing, man? You never had the makings of a varsity athlete. <laughs> <laughs> that flawless. It's yeah. um, that's actually one of my notes, but I'm sure we'll get to that in in great great length with Danny's flawless accent. Uh-huh. Uh, will be coming through. Flawless, flawless. Um, but Lewis, hello. How are you? I'm how good, you? thanks. How are you? I'm very well. I can see your face. I can definitely yeah. see your face. This isn't. You can see my face. I've, I've a microphone is covering the bottom bit. Yep. So you can't quite see. Oh no. Okay, there we go. My bottom lip is resting on top of the microphone for truly terrible sound quality. Lovely. Is that good? Yeah, that is that is very good. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff. Yes. We'll be able to see which one of us has the has which type of microphone because my I'm like my pre- my face is pressed up against it, so I've got decent sound. Yep. And I'll be able to see what you do when you're talking into your microphone. Yep. Um, I I I sort of, I sort of move back a little bit because mine's is like quite loud for some reason. I've no uh, idea why. Um, but presumably it's some kind of Scottish witchcraft. It's it's it was made by. Um, I can only presume. Old man John down the road. <laughs> yep. Who <laughs> lives in the the bush? I, d- I, d- I don't know much about Scottish folklore. Um, Neither do I. We have a book on our bookshelf downstairs called Scottish Myths and Legends. I keep meaning to read it so I can tantalise you and be like, oh, Danny, what about... And then, like, a Scottish elf or something that, yeah. <laughs> that neither of us have ever heard of we, before. We could, do it. We, ne- we could do that for the bullshit at some point. Um, we could do, yeah. yeah. Say, Danny, have you ever seen a... And then look through the book. Have you ever seen a... A, a, a wood nymph. A Sassanac. Um, <laughs> uh yeah, but here we are, folks, at the 90th mm-hmm. episode we of the are. podcast. Yeah, you can see our faces, sadly. You can. My, my screen has gone very bright somehow, because I, I think the sun has just come out. Yeah. So all the light pouring through the windows is just like, I'm just like, in this, this it's like I'm dead. You're looking <laughs> at me in heaven. That's what it's like. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of uh, switching gears between looking at the camera and looking at the <laughs> mountains of insults I'm getting lauded in in the disco isn't Danny the Scottish elf <laughs> fuck's sake Darius whatever <laughs> um yes I am I am indeed uh, um I'm a hobbit so I suppose it does that kind of it, uh, do elves and hobbits like each other in Lord of the Rings I mean elves are sort of uh immortal uh really good looking superior dicks and right. hobbits just want to chill out farm <laughs> Smoke weed and uh, eat, really. I mean, I don't smoke, but the rest of it's pretty, yeah, pretty accurate. Pretty, Chill out, eat. Pretty chilled out. Pretty, pretty spot on. Hairy feet. Yeah, hairy feet. Small. Yep. I, I um, <laughs> this is it's one of the strangest things that anyone's ever said to me. It was um, I think it was Simon <laughs> Simon Lowe, friend of the show. Simon Lowe, friend um, of the show. <laughs> and he said um, they're filming a Lord of the Rings TV series in um in New Zealand, and he looked me up and down it's and in said, Scotland, and you, bud. you look a bit. It's in Scotland. It's in oh, Scotland. Well. He said this many years ago, but he said, yeah, they're, they're filming this uh, Lord of the Rings TV series. Um, they are filming it wherever, and the casting director is such and such. I have to get in touch with your agency if they've got a couple of roles. Yeah. And he said, I'm mentioning it to you because, well, you look a bit like a <laughs> hobbit. You're like small and pale and have dark hair, so you oh kind of fit the hobbit wow. sort of thing. And I was like, I mean, I kind of get it, Simon. <laughs> I do kind of get it because I kind of do. Um, so, yeah. thanks, Simon. He I was, guess he was doing his level best to further your career. He was. Yeah. Um, I know what you're all thinking. Where's the wheel of bullshit? It's yeah. Well, yes. I can't see it. I'll have to watch the video to well, see it. Are, are you ready? Are you ready? I was. I was born ready. 
Hey, there it is. But hey. sat behind me, Lewis. You can see that, right? Yeah, yep. I can see it perfectly because we are also on a Skype call. Yeah, yeah, defo. Yeah, I've secretly skyped you. That's probably a good idea. We should probably do that. It probably would be a good idea. It'd probably be way easier to do that. <laughs> I can't see anything he's fucking doing. But um, let's uh, let's spin it and get into mm-hmm. the bullshit. Oh, that's gorgeous. That's I, gorgeous. I mean, I I can't listen to the sound because Discord hates it. But in theory, I know it's it's. Utterly oh, no. wonderful, so it, that's nice. It's beautiful. Um, Lewis, would you like to tell us uh, the first piece of bullshit, please? I would. Dan, guess guess who's back? Who? He's back again. Who? Shady's back. Sh- tell a friend. <laughs> um, Russell T. Davis is back from the ether. He um, he did Doctor Who, and then he was like, all right, that's enough for now. Yep. David Tennant's going, so am I. Yep. And then they, they he, he busted down the doors with, um, what was it, years and years? Critically lauded, absolutely stupendous. Yep. It's a sin. Critically lauded, absolutely stupendous. And now he's coming back to Doctor Who. He's doing some more Doctor Who. Um, don't know if you know this, Dan, but I quite like Doctor Who. I I also know <laughs> that I like Doctor Who as well. What? Yeah, I mean, we could we should probably talk about that at some point. Um, mm, we should we should maybe make several series of a podcast yeah. in which we talk at great length about Doctor Who. Maybe, maybe. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he's. I, I am so excited. I I cannot even begin to tell you how excited mm, I am. Mm. Um, because if anyone knows me, anyone mm. knows me knows that I love political shit and the media that I watch. And he does. This is true. Russell T Davies is. He's, he's getting. He's getting quite political with the. With the you know the content. That, not that he didn't have that before. I mean, there were mm. definitely themes in it of Doctor Who, and mm. and it was subtle, and you could definitely sort of um appreciate that side of it. But yeah, look, years and years. Uh, it's a sin. Just just very sort of issue based, and I love that shit. I used to hate it. Yeah. But now I love it. <laughs> so there you go. Um, yeah, no, I, I um, I enjoy. I mean, I enjoy Russell T. Davis's writing. I enjoy his a lot of his work. I, I'm sure it'll be good. It will. I, um, it's strange because I've sort of gone past the point of caring now <laughs> in a strange way yeah. because we've spent so much time going. But it doesn't matter who the showrunner. It doesn't matter who the new Doctor is, or it doesn't matter who this is. It doesn't matter who that is because yeah. the writing's terrible. So now I know the writing's going to be good. I'm like, well, when do I start caring who the next Doctor is? When yeah. do I start caring about all these other things? In a way, it's it's a bit of a shame on two fronts because, first of all, this is going to massively overshadow Jodie Whittaker's final season. It certainly is. Um, which is an utter tragedy because she is a stupendous actor and I really do enjoy watching her perform. She very much is, um, yeah. And I think I'm going to really enjoy this next series regardless of what happens in in um, in, in the rest of... in, in, in the series afterwards that Russell T. Davis is doing. Yeah. And in the series where I drop my pen on my desk, apparently. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's also... I can't remember why else it's a shame. It's a shame for some reason. Well, I mean, oh yes, that's it. It's a shame because I don't know. I would have liked to have seen Jodie Whittaker perform something that Russell T Davis has written. Yes, I would have quite liked to have watched that and to have seen what he, what the kind of thing that he would write for her and stuff like that. Um, I'm interested to see who the next Doctor is going to be. I'm interested to see what Russell T Davis is going to do. Um, in a way, I'm looking forward to Doctor Who having not. An overarching plot, but an overarching theme. Yeah, that's something that I think we lost when we left the RTD era. 
Um, and we sort of went from having overarching themes that the Doctor is such and such or whatever. Uh, and then we went to, oh, there's a, oh the silence. They're there. Yeah. Oh, the Doctor's going to die. Oh, this, this, this. Oh, this. And it's, okay, yeah, great, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but the, I'm looking forward to going back to having sort of more standalone type stuff in a way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they, they essentially went from the Doctor sort of dealing with like, trauma to mm. the Doctor being the most important man in the universe at any given point. Yeah, you know, which is a bit shit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, what I am worried about is that mm. it's shit. Um, yes, I am slightly concerned that it could be shit. Because it's always a concern, really. You know, if you've if you've you know been given some ice cream every day for for two years, <laughs> right? and the ice cream tastes of feet and uh, mm-hmm. a soggy watermelon, then you're not going li- to be like, oh... Isn't all watermelon soggy? Fine. Dry, <laughs> bone-dry watermelon. And if Watermelon you... that's like cotton wool. Yep. Yeah, and if you're expecting that and you suddenly hear about the ice cream van changing hands, like, <laughs> you're, you're probably still going to be like, wow, that's going to be... It's probably not going to be that great. But, you know, you've got hope. You've got You've got hope. Mm. Um, mm. So that's my analogy for 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 that. Uh, so you're saying you have hope, but you don't have much serious belief that it will improve or get worse. It might just be the same. Yeah, it's a, a sort of infusion of hope and despair. Yeah. <laughs> of hope and despair. Yeah. Wow, what yeah. an infusion! It's like going, it's like going into a cocktail bar and ordering a cocktail oh, with an infusion of hope and despair, please. I'd like a martini with some hope and despair, please. Absolutely, absolutely. To be um, fair, I think that's probably what a martini tastes like. Probably. I mean, I've never, <laughs> I've never had one, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. Um, it does give off vibes that the BBC doesn't have confidence in Doctor Who. It does mm. a little bit, yeah. I mean, it's like sort of, yeah. We've given it to two other people. They've fucked it up. Russell, get back here. Get in yeah. there. They have faith in Russell T Davis, but no one else. Yeah, which um, is. I mean, some of the greatest Worrying. episodes of the show are like fan written and stuff like that. I didn't know this, oh, yeah. but uh, the Family of Blood episodes that we'll be mm. reviewing in the coming weeks, that was like made by like a fan. Like it was like written before Doctor Who came back, and then oh, it was wow. adapted. Yeah, I mean that's like pretty, pretty as a book. Yeah, it was a book. Oh wow! And it was oh, that's um, pretty cool as well. Yeah, adapted to the screen. Um, Very nice. Um, well, cool. <laughs> yeah. I um. What was I going to say then? Um, we should say, by the way, just very quickly, uh, in case you didn't listen to the whisper, um, we have some of our patrons in the chat now. No, no. Um, so that's that's why we suddenly will be silent and then read something out loud, and you can very obviously tell that we aren't actually thinking of what to say. Yeah. Somebody else has said it, and we're just reading it. And if you would like to join their esteemed rank, click on the yes. Patreon bit or where, wherever it is, and and <laughs> click and on join the Patreon them. bit. Stunning. Yeah, amazing. Go to patreon.com slash shouting into the void, and that's where we are. Yeah. You yeah. can buy the book from most online bookstores. Good stuff. Thank you, Darius. Mm-hmm. Darius knows. Darius is, Darius is in there. A, a fantastic hookup with the obscure Doctor Who novels. Absolutely. Good um, on you, Darius. So, I think that's it for this bit of bullshit. You've got another bit, don't Ooh. you, Lewis? I do. I've got a cheeky bit of bullshit myself. I've been, I've been, um, I was going to say, I've been sitting on it, but that's... That's sort of terrible. Yeah, a, a, a terrible bit. and not at all funny. Yeah. I'm going to spin the wheel again. Okay, you're going to need to tell me when it stopped because I, I definitely can't hear it. Okay. Still spinning. Still okay. spinning. 
Stone okay. spinning. Stone okay. spinning. Stone okay. It stopped. Um. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> James Bond. The Daniel Craig quote, and what actors do we like for it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you will be aware of this, if you're a person in the world. I'm a person in the world who doesn't watch uh, James Bond movies as a, as a general rule of thumb. But even I am aware of the fact that Daniel Craig is now leaving James Bond. He's been James Bond for since 2007? I don't yeah. know. Maybe? Um, he's been he's been James Bond for absolutely ages. Um but yeah, now he's leaving, and there was this very emotional speech going around um, on, I think it was on Twitter. I saw it, uh, where he's sort of talking to all the cast and crew of. Um, I want to say this n- most recent film is called No Time to Die. That's I'm right. Not, it, no Time to Die is that right? Yeah, that is and um, he's talking to the cast and crew of that and being like, "Oh, you've been with me for five movies, and it's been really good, and all the rest of it." And it's a very heartfelt speech, and it's very, very lovely. Um, but yes, two interesting things happen. Well, to it, one interesting thing happens every time there's a new James Bond, yeah. and another interesting thing has happened with this James Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Daniel Craig has said, let me get the actual quote, otherwise I will just be slandering him massively. Good show. Um, libel. Libel. <laughs> libel. Um, <laughs> let's cut this bit out. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> the actor says instead, um, yeah, Daniel Craig says... Um, the role should not be given to a woman, James Bond. This is. Oh. They should simply be better parts for women and actors of color. What do we think about that? Hmm. That's an interesting quote. Um, I I agree and I disagree. Okay. Okay. So go on. I think the role of 007 should be given to anyone that wants it, but the role of like James sure. Bond should be a male role, and I think that. He is absolutely correct that there should definitely be better parts mm, mm, for women and yeah. people of colour. Like, there is absolutely no doubt about that. Um, mm. I just think sort of... I mean, it's it's not entirely my place to say so because like, I'm, I'm, I'm male, so I, I couldn't really understand. But like, if, I, if mm. looking at it from the perspective, if I was um, a woman, I don't know if I would really want like to sort of do an already established character but with like female characteristics if you get me i would mm, be like no mm. i'm just gonna make my own thing and it's gonna be so much better you know but also mm. i recognize that people that say that also say that in like a sort of sly sexist way so because they just don't want women in their spaces so i just want to mm. like put that out there but i think it's um i think it's a mixture of both for me um i, I i'm not entirely sure if it's mm-hmm. principally if it's done well, I don't really care, you know. But mm. if it's just because I, d- I don't, it's a difficult. If it's done well, yeah, anything goes for me. If it's done well, mm. I, that's all I care yeah, about. Yeah, I um, I, I yeah, I I feel mostly the same as you. I think um, I don't really care. I think that um, if if the role goes to a man or a woman or anybody else, that's, you know, it's completely fine. I think make a good movie first and worry about who you cast yeah. in it second, if that makes sense. You, If you just make a good movie, the acting and the directing and the writing will speak for itself, regardless of, yeah. of, of who is doing those things. I mean, it's a strange um, sort of thing to say. Like, I don't think the role should... What was the, what was the actual quote? I don't want to misquote him. Um... Uh, the actor who plays James Bond says the role should not be given to a woman. There should simply be better parts for women and actors of colour. So how is that in enforced then? 
Like, what do you mean? <laughs> how is that enforced? Like, does he want that like, by law, or does like? Oh right, okay. <clears throat> <clears throat> I mean, if someone wants to make a film about I don't know Jane Bond, then yeah, that's mm, fine. Mm. I don't. Like, you're allowed to not like it, but the idea that. It should be. Ba- <laughs> does it mean that it should be banned, or does ev- or should everyone just collectively mm. agree that a woman should never be given that role? I'm not entirely sure, but if it's done well, I'm not entirely. I, I don't really care, to be honest. You know. Yeah, I I I know exactly what you mean. Although dif- I think this does go on. Sorry, if there's just a di- if there's a different way to do it that hasn't been. T- <coughs> <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, if there's a different way to do it that hasn't been explored and it comes across really well and is done really well, I don't see what the mm. what the problem is, you know? Yeah, I'm um, the same. I mean, they've made about a million James Bond films. So <laughs> yeah. at this point, just, just keep making them, keep being creative and see what's good. Do you know what I mean? People will see anything that that is a James Bond film, even if it's sort of very distantly related to the universe or whatever. So just, just keep making the films, do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm, but I think um, the point that I, I was just about to make, that um, this sort of brushes up against an issue that um, I've seen talked about before. I forget completely who said it now. Um, but uh, it's one of the great pet peeves of my life is when people talk about sort of a, a strong female character, but then what they mean is a character that was written for a man, but then they just yeah. change the name and change the gender. That's sort of annoying because it, it doesn't... It's it's frustrating that the phrase strong female character has to be related to a woman showing sort of traditionally sort of, what's the word I'm looking for, stereotypically male characteristics. I think, can't we just have characters that carry the narrative and that's a strong character regardless of, of a lot of other things and a lot of other sort of questions about what they're like and what they're like as a person and what the choices they might make in a moral situation. And I think that's what it, what it sort of brushes up against here is the idea that, um, it, it, I, I, that's why I understand what Daniel Craig says a bit more, is there should just be better roles for everybody. Yeah. Because there are so many stories to be told out there, why not just tell them all? Everybody's exactly. going to always want to want to watch films. Everybody's always going to want to watch TV and listen to the radio and, and listen to music and stuff. So having these places be a diverse space for lots of different creators and lots of different performers, that only benefits everybody. Yep. So in my mind, it's something that I... I loathe the contentiousness of it it's it's i i really don't like the idea that this is a contentious belief that we should just have everybody be represented in media because of course we should do you know what i mean yeah definitely i mean there's also the 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 point to be made that if it's um if there is a female uh james bond Mm. they are just going to be unfairly compared to Mm -hmm. their their male counterparts which you know Mm isn't ideal either but yeah like, like you said it's just just if, if there's if there's a different unique way or a different unique take on a story and it works and it's entertaining and it's you know it means something then why the fuck not mm. you know yeah and plus trying to find a different unique take on a story as old as james bond that's good full stop do you know yeah. what i mean it, it, regardless of, of how you get to it being a different unique take it's good to have a different unique take absolutely absolutely um, God, putting the worlds to right, eh? I know, already, we're nailing it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I think we might be out of bullshit. 
bullshit. I think we are indeed out of bullshit. Yes. Um, um, go on, let's talk a little bit about whatever it is, the, the small mini thing that we've picked out to do um, for, for the, on 90th episode. Yeah, so uh, we're talking about The Sopranos. Big dramatic thing there. Um, yeah, <laughs> Lewis is. Uh, I've been telling Lewis to watch this for ages, and then mm-hmm. he finally agreed that we were going to do this for the podcast. So he had to watch it, and he couldn't just keep <laughs> ignoring me, me giving him TV show recommendations. So yeah, <laughs> we're talking about the fucking Sopranos, and it was a uh, created by David Chase, and is mm-hmm. starring James Gandolfini. Lorraine Bracco, Edie Falco, Michael Imperioli, Stephen Van Zant, and Tony Sirico. 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 Um, Tony. Yeah, Tony. <laughs> Starring Sir- Tony. Tony. Tony Sirico. It's he's got three uh, last names, all the same. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Tony yeah. Sirico. 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 Yes. That's obviously not who's just in it. This is a massive show with a an insane mm. number of characters. But um, those are the those are the the sort of regulars. Um, so Lewis, do you have an opening statement? I do have an opening statement. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like mafia stuff very much. Yeah. Um, however, I did enjoy this very much. It's it has a number of characteristics that do make it different to your average sort of uh, Martin Scorsese and 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 Robert De Niro doing something together. You, you, there are a number of things that make it different to that. Yeah. And I really do quite enjoy this show um and it's something that i will be quoting probably until the day i die <laughs> um, absolutely I, it is a, a very very good show very very well written and um the characters all have a good amount of screen presence which is just something that just popped into my head but it is it's something that really defines the show i think is all the characters having a, a, a well-defined aura as it were on stage and that's quite a nice thing to see um so do you have an opening statement i do i do indeed <gasps> um an incredible show that makes us look at the romanticization of the American mafia and how bad socialization and repugnancy can make one irredeemable. Ah, there we go. I, I got I got that wrong <laughs> the first time. Uh, um, yeah. So to to creepy room questions. Um, mm. Okay, easy stuff out of the way first. Favorite character and why. <laughs> I have a bit of a soft spot for Paulie in a bit of a strange oh way. God, wow! Just not in, not in. A, I don't, <laughs> I don't favour Paulie out of the rest of them. Christ knows they're all terrible people. Yeah. But Paulie is somebody that I enjoy watching on screen. I enjoy watching him do things. And also, um, the one thing that really sort of um, got me about him was when uh, Tony came clean to. Um, Oh Christ! I've forgotten all of their names now because as I was watching the show, I just I just reduced them to that one from Family Guy, the young one, and the one with the dark hair. He had that inner circle, didn't he? Uh, Silvio, Paulie, and Christopher. Yes. I've got the IMDb page up as well. <laughs> um, so yeah, the the young one, the one with dark hair, and the one from uh, Family Guy. Um, yes. So yeah, I, I sort of knew him briefly as the one from Family Guy as I was watching the show. But the one that really sort of got him for got me for him was um. When they were sat in um, the office at the strip club that Tony owns, and um, Tony sort of comes clean and says, "I went to therapy. I talked to a psychiatrist and all the rest of it." And um, Paulie sort of turns around and goes, "Yeah, I went to therapy too." 
and then it's just never oh. addressed again <laughs> outside of that scene and nobody ever mentions it ever again yeah and i just i don't know i like the how he sort of throws away these obscure bits <clears throat> of character detail it's it's it makes for a very engaging character um yeah. even though he's a terrible terrible person i do, I do like i do like how Polly is like a misophobe like in that scene where he's yes. talking about like germs it's like even when you're walking in the bathroom and you got your you got your shoelaces dragging through the piss and shit and Silvio's just sitting there going oh shut the fuck up he's just trying (laughs) (laughs) I I find that like even though it's like a horrible gangster show about really horrible Mm. horrible people it is really funny at points it's it's, it's got such a weird sense of humour um, that's one of my notes is that it's funny yeah that's why i actually quite enjoyed it is because um i find it hard to watch now a martin scorsese gangster film or, or the godfather or something and it's and i'm just sat there for like three hours getting depressed and then yeah. after three hours of getting depressed i'm just sat on the sofa going oh my god this is really depressing yeah definitely uh, but that's the having um silvio and paulie have have the sort of comedic relief in a strange way that was really quite charming and it yeah. it really made the show a lot more watchable and having um what's his face the cook oh jesus um who the cook oh he's bold um <laughs> he's oh. a cook he has the restaurant oh, the restaurant burns uh, down in the first season archie. um archie yeah, yeah. having he, he's sort of got a comedic character as well in his in his in his in his ways and they're all yeah. it's quite easy to laugh at them all and that's quite a redeeming sort of bit of the show i think very much so um my favourite character is uh, by far. Um, he's only in it for one episode, um, right? And it's a doctor. So one of the chances I forgot him in my insane sprint through the show. <laughs> it's a uh, doctor um, Krakor, who's Carmela's right. therapist. Okay. Um, Carmela, therapist, the Sopranos. Yeah. Doctor Krakoa. Um. Do you know him? Yep, I I do not recognise him. Oh. I'm sure I recognise his voice, but I, I I vaguely maybe recognise him. Yeah, well, Carmela goes um to this therapist to talk mm. about sort of like Tony's behaviour and stuff, and yes. um he is like like in comparison with Doctor Melfi, who's Tony's therapist, he mm. is so like hard cutting and like <laughs> honest about what's like going on with with mm. their family. Mm. Carmela's like, he's a good man, he's a good husband, a good father, and he's just sat there like, you've told me he's a depressed criminal. <laughs> he's just so honest. And um, there's a, I think he's one of the f- the few people that say the word mafia. Um, okay. And Carmela just like breaks down, in like tears, and she's like, oh Jesus, mm. it's like. It's so interesting how like none of the characters ever say the word mafia. It's always this thing of ours, the business, you know. Um, mm, it's, it's, that's a really good point that I had just not even noticed. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> like it's like taboo to even say the word mafia. You know, it's mm, it's mm. it's so interesting, and he just gives her like a complete dose of reality. Um, Carmela mm. then says something about him being Jewish and says something really anti-Semitic. And he's mm. just like, well, regardless of what you do from here on out, you've been told that you need to leave, mm. and if you choose not to, that's on you. And it's like it's it's a really interesting scene. Just when you're starting to look like Tony's crew and stuff, mm. you're just reminded about who these people actually are, 
you know mm-hmm. and it's and it's uh, that sort of dynamic of comedy and and you know remembering that they're all you know very very bad people um yeah yeah uh, that's that's the the thing it does quite well is um what one was trying to say now? Breaking Bad did it in a way by having um, you know brutal murders and stuff, and then hard yeah. cut to to uh, Walter White holding a baby, and you go, oh, that was really intense and weird that he's actually he's a good person underneath it all, and he's caring for this child and whatever. Yeah. Um, but The Sopranos does it by these people are unabashedly terrible people. They all yeah. sort of know they're terrible people and murderers and all these horrible torture things they do, mm-hmm. but they kind of don't care and yeah. that in a way it's supposed to sort of redeem them to you in a, in a strange way is that sort of because they don't care you're sort of expected to just be like oh okay well, i suppose it's all right then i suppose it's all right that they do those things yeah definitely um the sopranos sort of definitely led the way in the sort of vein of what we're willing to let characters do before mm. we no longer root for them um mm, mm. i'd like to just talk a little bit about tony's character arc because it's so yeah it's so good um, so that in the early seasons, it's difficult to not sympathise with him, um, because yes. he's funny. Even though he's like a mafioso, he's like he obviously cares for the birds that live in his pool and stuff like that. He's mm-hmm. like you know he's he's an interesting sort of Walter White esque. Well, I, I should say Tony Soprano esque because they definitely started this before Breaking Bad did. Um, yeah, you know you feel sorry for his socialisation because of his the way his mother treated him, the violence that he was mm, exposed mm. to when he was when he was growing up. Um, he's got faith in this institution that will give him meaning and and purpose. Um, but it's like, the season's gone, things get more difficult, and you can see that he's, like, becoming not just, like, a sort of, oh, it needs to be done and things mm. bad things happen, but there's this sort of repugnancy that comes yeah. from him that's worse than any of his like, cronies um, yes <laughs> there is one scene that is constantly like, referred to by fans where even after all the brutal murders that he's done where I was like actually oh, like, it, was so, it was so disgusting this scene right mm. and it's when uh, Tony's sister Janice has been given an ultimatum by her husband, uh, Bobby, who's probably one of the nicest yes. characters in the show. Mm. Um, even though he, you know, he's he's a bad guy as well. Um, <laughs> who she has to get her temper under control, or Bobby would divorce her. Yeah. And Janice makes like realistic strides to like controlling her temper and controlling her anger. And mm. one time, Tony comes round for dinner and sees that she's actually improving and, like, mm. becoming a better person and calmer and the way she treats her, her kids and stuff. Um, so it's 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 all, it's all sort of going well. And then, because of that... Yeah, so um, uh, because of that, um, Tony just cannot allow it like, at all. Yeah. And immediately brings up her uh is it our strange son i can't remember his name harpo or something Ooh. to just like to just <laughs> like, asking. to send her over the edge and then she breaks her composure and just yeah. tries to let you know attack him it is harpo 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 mm-hmm. is a, a mark's brother oh 
Oh. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, so he uh-huh. does that. Janice loses the rag and starts to like, mm. shout at Tony and tries to like, attack him. And Tony walks out with this shit-eating grin on his yeah. face. And it is like, it's one of the few moments where I feel absolutely disgusted by Tony's behaviour. Because what, what essentially it is, he's seen his sibling do better for themselves. Yeah. And because of his perpetual hip, like, hypocrisy and need to be like a victim, he just can't stand the fact that she's actually just moving on with her life and trying to be a better person. So he does anything he can to just drag her mm, back mm. down to the misery that he goes into. It's so horrible, and it's worse mm. than any of the crimes that he commits throughout the entire show. It's just such a horrible, horrible thing to do. Um, but yeah, that's so that's where it really sort of changes. I think that was in season five. And... Oh, I'm at, you're asking the wrong person, but it sounds right. <laughs> yeah, and things just get like they just. I'm I'm ranting a wee bit. Uh, things get worse from there. Uh, mm, mm. But then he gets shot at the beginning of season six. Yes, by his uncle Junior, and Tony goes into a sort of dreamlike uh, coma, mm. and um, takes on the identity of this uh, lawyer or or sort of fam uh, not family man. Uh, day trader or something and he has a seemingly normal life and mm. when he wakes up he decides every day is a gift and you know wants to smell the roses and tries to make strides to improve himself you know he, he stops yeah, cheating yeah. on his wife he shows restraint with his with his rivals um mm. and it's like well maybe he can finally sort of you know try and become a better person and then obviously in the latter half of the sixth season, everything just takes a fucking shit turn. Uh, yeah. He condemns one of his um, mafiosos for being gay. Um, he makes Bobby, who's one of the, probably the most innocent character, commit murder for the first time at a spite. Um, decides to, uh, nearly decides to kill Polly over spite as well. Yeah. Um mm. And he kills Christopher. Mm. He, they end up getting in a car crash and Tony blocks his nose so that he chokes on his own blood. And there's two reactions that we see to that happening. Mm. We see Tony's dream version where he admits that he's actually relieved that he's did that because he was a tremendous drag on his emotions and just admits, yep, I'm so glad that he's dead. And mm. then the real version is, oh, he feels terrible. He feels so, so it's like he's just become absolutely irredeemable. And when The Sopranos came out, a lot of people wanted to see Tony die at that point. A lot of people mm. were lit sick of him and wanted to see him die. And uh, we can talk about like, the sort of final scene a bit later on. But that, I think that is such a great character arc. It's this sort of idea is tony going to make it is he going to become a better person or mm. is he just you know is he irredeemable yeah exactly and we, we obviously it's the opposite of a opposite of a redemption arc it's like a bastardization arc yeah exactly <laughs> he just becomes more and more of a bastard as time goes on yep yeah i mean <laughs> it's one of the reasons i struggle with the show a bit is that it's depressing as shit yes it's like you that's in the first season the first couple of seasons you you do you are rooting for for um 
Tony, whose name I completely fucking blanked on for a second then. You are rooting for him. And even towards the point where... Um, oh, Christ, are you dying over there? I'm all right. I'm good. I'm, I'm, okay, I'm good. A-OK. Good stuff. But yeah, even at the points when um, he does threaten to do violence to his mother and all this sort of stuff, you are still rooting for him. In a very strange way, yeah. admittedly, but you are still rooting for him. But yeah, he just becomes more aggressive and more horrible and more deliberately horrible mm-hmm. it becomes obvious with time that like like in the first season you're sort of led to think that um all these horrible things he does are because of his the way he was brought up and because of yeah. the environment he was he, he was brought up in but then you sort of start to think maybe he's just become deliberately entrenched in these beliefs mm-hmm. maybe he genuinely believes this is the right way to believe behave this is the right way to do things and you sort of start to think oh jesus this is <laughs> is worse than i ever sort of imagined in a in a strange way yeah Corrupted by surroundings, says Dougie. Mm. Absolutely. Um, I mean, when you've got a mother like Levy Soprano, you're obviously... Mm. <laughs> What's your opinion on Levy Soprano? I utterly cannot stand it. <laughs> I-, I found her <laughs> annoying, and then it was revealed that she tried to orchestrate Tony's death. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, I, f- I hate her even more now. Yeah, she's... <laughs> so whenever she came on the screen, I was just like, oh, for God's sake. She's just like the picture of like misery. You know, um, mm. deliberate misery. That's the thing. It's someone sort of reveling in their own misery. Yeah, that's that's what that's what infects <sighs> Tony by the end of the show. This mm. sort of mm. like, um, God, there are just so many scenes where like James Gandolfini, right, who is a fucking fantastic actor. Uh, rest in peace. Um, obviously, his. <sighs> by the time we get to the end of the series, he, he's become absolutely everything that he hates about himself. Like, yes. um, I think I wrote, I wrote, I wrote some notes. Um, he gambles, even though he hates like uh, that is is he treated as his old pal who played uh, the Terminator and T two, like like shit for like being a um, is it T one hundred T one thousand? Sorry, I feel like halfway through that you started talking in code. Did. Did, did Tony have a friend who was the actor that played the T-1000? Yeah, yeah, yeah. David, uh, Scati- oh, David Scatini was like an old sort of pal and he had this gambling addiction and mm. he ended up owing uh, Tony money and Tony like, sort of um, took over his business and like, ran it into the ground so that he could pay him back in season two, I think. Um, mm. and, to- and Tony was like... If you gamble and it's, you know, you lose your money, that's on you. I hate gambling. It's mm. just you're being a degenerate or whatever, right? And that's a pretty horrible view to, to have, you know? But like, Oh, God, definitely, yeah. Tony is very much the strong, silent type, Gary Cooper type person, right, at the start. It's what he, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He becomes a, gam- a gambler by the end of the show. He's as mm. miserable mm. as his mother is. He sees himself as a victim, which he hated throughout the show. He was always talking about people go- having pity for themselves. Mm, and mm. he's just like a coward as well. But mm, it's like mm. James Gandolfini has this amazing way of like conveying emotion through breathing. Like, if you, if you notice <laughs> yeah, that. I know what you mean, his, yeah. His breath is like its own character, if you get me. It's mm. like. It's like something you can just tell exactly how how he's feeling by by the way he breathes. Mm, mm. It's like it's you know he's a sad, pathetic man by the end of the show. Um, mm. But yeah, uh, it's like how Clint Eastwood does a lot of acting just by sort of squinting his eyes a bit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sort of like oh hey, up. he's he's done a lot in the last two or three seconds. Exactly. Mm. Um, 
so I have I have some questions for you, Lewis. Um, yeah, hit it. Ask the first one about a favorite character. Who is your mm-hmm. least favorite character and why? Livia Soprano, just because <laughs> like started out annoying, became deeply unpleasant to watch. Yeah. Uh, and then by the time that she died, I was just thought, well, thank heavens for that. Yeah. In a really horrible way. I just did. I was sick of seeing her on the show. Yeah. I'm sure that actor is lovely in real life, but I just was sick of seeing them. Well, <laughs> that, it's the truth. The sad thing is, is that they passed away during oh, God, uh, filming. No, really bad. And if you notice, there's really bad CGI at the start mm. of um, season. Th- is it, I can't remember what season it was, but there's really bad CGI, and and that's why Tony's mother dies because they oh, okay. just, rather than try to like continue it through a recast or um whatever other way, they just sort of let write her out um which is interesting because the show is like the passage of time isn't like two years as it is in breaking bad they don't Mm. mess with the passage of time things happen and you just have to like deal with that it's like tony gets older everyone gets older you know it's like it's more realistic if, if you get me um yeah but uh my favorite has got to be ralph cifaretto who has the bowl cut and uh Ralph Cifaretto with the bowl cut. <laughs> Do you know who I'm talking I'm, about? I feel like I'm I'm quickly running to the, the cast list whenever you mention somebody. Ralph, what'd you say? Cifaretto. This is a Ralph Cifaretto, here we go. Oh Christ, well that's just not at all a picture of a human being. It's <laughs> the picture of the um the um yeah, yeah, I know this guy. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Who, um, it took me a second, but I figured out who he is. Yep. Who who uh, killed um, his uh, his lover uh, Tracy mm-hmm. by um, beating her to death when he fa- he found out that she was pregnant. Um, mm. Just an absolutely despicable human being. There's a lot of clues about him sort of being represented as the devil in the show. Oh, okay. Like there's like especially in Tony's like dream sequences and stuff, he's there but is bald and like there's a lot of visual imagery that suggests that he could be like the the show's devil. There's a scene where he's like clipping his toenails and like mm. sympathy for the devil is in the background playing. Okay. And like his toenail goes into like Janice's eye and he's like, You catch some shrapnel like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so he's definitely my least favorite character of everyone. Mm, mm. Um, but what about you, Lewis? I've ranted for fucking ages. Get get some. some... Um, the only I've I've only got the one rant. It's a it's a rant that I've I've I don't, I don't feel passionately about it, but it makes me smile how every Italian American celebrity that they bring up in the show, they talk about them as though they're an old family friend. <laughs> um, yeah, Junior is the one that does it the most. Um. There's a, apparently there's a painting of Frank Sinatra somewhere in this this world, like a mural of Frank Sinatra. Yeah. And um, in an offhand comment, him and I think it's Junior, and it might be Christopher, uh, or it might be Tony, are talking about um, about this 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 mural of Frank Frank Sinatra, and they're talking about him, referring to him as Frankie, or, or what about what about your boy Frankie, or, or this this old guy Frankie, or whatever, and they're referring to him in this way, which is always utterly bizarre. And the other one that really got me was um, Tony and Junior were sat watching. I think it, I forget whose baseball game it was, but they were sat watching a baseball game, presumably Anthony Junior. Yeah. And um, they, I think uh, Junior said to Tony something like, um, "You could have gone all the way, you know. You could have been like a, a professional baseballer." And um, 
Tony goes, oh no, I couldn't. I was never that good. And he goes, oh, you had a swing like Joe D. And it's, it's <laughs> just in this really offhand way of like, oh yeah, my old friend Joe DiMaggio, who I'm not sure when Joe DiMaggio died, but I think it was a long time before the yeah. 90s. So I don't know. It just it really tickles me how every Italian American celebrity that gets brought up is instantly recognizable to them. And they're like, oh yes, that's a that's a very famous cultural touchstone. Yeah. Uh, it 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 it's, makes me smile in a funny way. I really like it. No, it's, it is it is quite funny. Um, it's interesting how like, mm, how like uh, when they talk about um. I think I think there was something about uh, AJ was at school and he came back and he's like, "What'd you learn at school today?" And AJ's like, "Alexander Graham Bell invented the telephone." And he's like, "Oh God, yeah, yeah." And Tony <laughs> loses his shit and it's like, "Alexander Graham Bell didn't invent nothing. It was what? What? Who was the other guy?" No idea. Who was um, it? I can't remember his name, but Tony. It was an Italian American guy. Yeah, who does? Who invented? Hanu, um, think invents the telephone um alexander graham Bell and antonio antonio uh mucci mucci yeah he's like antonio antonio mucci invented the telephone he got cheated he got rubbed out he's like he just <laughs> <laughs> well and then of course that sort of i mean to say it comes full circle is a bit weird but it does kind of come full circle in a really strange way yeah because it comes back around and they go to italy and they're just so out of touch yeah. there as well. They're just they seen as like... their own sort of self-secluded exactly. society in New Jersey, where they they are deliberately not American, they're deliberately not Italian, they're deliberately different to everybody else, and they've sort of othered themselves. Yeah, but... I think it says something interesting about the sort of um, the organization they run and, and who they think they are and all these sort of things. It's like, in order for their 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 business to be self-sustaining, they need to isolate themselves in a strange way. Yeah, I mean the Italians there just see them as like. I mean, there's a sort of classism sort of thing, but they see them as like mm. snobbish, uh, no, not snobbish, boorish sort of brutes that have mm, no mm. culture or whatever. Like, <laughs> Polly's sitting there and he's like, where's the gravy? And they're like, mm. what? Like, they, they have no idea. Tomato yeah, sauce! Says, he says, um, <laughs> where's the, the, uh, the waiter? He does not know what you mean. It's going to be gravy. You mean grapes like wine? He was no, the, the tomato sauce! <laughs> Oh, I love that. And, and then there's that sort of offhand, because um, the, then the, the, the guy that uh, Paul is sitting across from, who does talk Italian, explains to the waiter, bring him some spaghetti with some tomato sauce on it. Yeah. And um, then the two Italian guys that are sat opposite Paul, they talk to each other and have a bit of a joke and say, um, oh, and you thought the Germans were classless morons. Or <laughs> yeah. Whatever. And they like sort of joke to themselves, and Paulie doesn't speak Italian, and he sort of looks across at them and goes, oh, "Yeah," because <laughs> he's got this fork full of pasta yeah. halfway through his mouth. He just no, it's um, he just yeah. does that, <laughs> like that, just that <laughs> Steve Ronsley laugh, um, <laughs> and it's, I mean, it's accurate. Yeah, it is. It's interesting how there's like a female um, boss in Italy as well. Mm, mm. And it's like Tony's like it would never happen back in the states, and it seems like Tony has more in common, at mm. least business wise, with you know this female boss that would just never be allowed. And it's it's mm. interesting how Tony can sort of, while he is a repugnant piece of shit, he can empathise more than any of his mm. other counterparts. If you get what I mean. Mm, mm, you know, mm. he's he's not an idiot in the same way. He's like he can talk to Melfi about really sort of deep 
stuff like existentialism and like nihilism and stuff like that when Anthony's mm-hmm. like not believing in God and stuff it's like he's got the capacity to be an empathetic person it's just yeah. that he chooses to be a, <laughs> cruel a, and horrible a better piece of shit yeah exactly so it's it's interesting mm-hmm. how how that works um I would have th- like, th- this is the most like inconsistent thing about the Sopranos I think a few people who used to be in the mafia have said this that if any sort of uh capo or boss found out that tony was going to therapy his therapist would have been killed and tony would have been killed as well for Mm. like for the fear of like revealing secrets and stuff like there'd just be no way that that would be allowed um yeah Mm. the 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 oath of them were yeah Mm. exactly isn't that kind of what tony's afraid of though where, um, I mean, the only time yeah. he reveals that he's going to therapy is when he can control the outcome and he knows he won't be killed. Yeah, true. So that's something he's afraid of. Because he says to, to Melfi, sort of, if, if they knew I was seeing you, you would be killed, I would be killed. So, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose that's why he's different, because that, that's, that's why it poses the question, can he be cured of his sort of, you know, hatefulness? Because he mm. takes the steps to go and speak to someone about his panic attacks. Um, but yeah, Tony's. Well, I suppose it's um he. Here, here we go. <laughs> this is going to be good. I, <laughs> not, I suppose it's not about trying to cure him of his of his horrific uh, personality. I suppose the problem is like um. If uh, say you were a, a, a someone who's sort of a recovering alcoholic, you might not go into a pub. You might not go yeah. into a bar. You might avoid the the beer aisle at Tesco or whatever. But uh-huh. Tony, in this theoretical metaphor, he deliberately walks down the beer aisle every single day because that's what he has to do to 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 go to work and stuff. And yeah. so I suppose what you're saying is, would he would he move to Alaska and completely leave his life behind, depart from everything, or could he walk through the beer and the wine aisle with sort of blinkered glasses on and just be looking at the floor and the and the, and the sort of room in front of him and not be looking at what's on the shelves? I don't know it, because it's not a personality thing in theory. It's a sort of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A, a a a nature change. The things around him need to change fundamentally for him to have a chance at sort of adapting himself in a in a neutral environment. Yeah. Because the moral choices Tony faces don't exist in a vacuum. He's he's making those moral choices and he's kind of pushed into all those moral choices when he has to make them. Yeah. It's all well and good to say, um, like like this is exactly what the point of the good place is in a strange roundabout way. Is like it's it you're making moral choices. But your moral choices are influenced by what moral choices you are capable of making. Yeah, definitely. Because it's all well and good for me to say, oh yeah, I will only uh, make ethical choices forever. <laughs> but I can't afford, for example, if, if if it was the cheapest option for me to get my power from a company that used a horrific amount of fossil fuels and coal yep. to generate power, I would have to go with that because exactly. I can't afford to make the ethical decision of using something with, with, with cleaner energy. So... It is about a nature change. It is Tony. I hate using the word curable with regards to mental health, but is Tony? Um, could we modify Tony's behaviour while maintaining the self in a situation where Tony isn't in that environment? Yeah, yeah. I think we probably could, but I think the problem is that Tony is deliberately forcing himself back into that environment every single day. So, yeah, is it more about the nature of the place he's in? Because, like I say. His his choices that his character is informed by the place he is. It doesn't exist in a vacuum. Yeah, definitely. 
No, I completely agree. See, that was good. That was, that was very that was very good. Um why do you think that I know you probably don't remember him, but why do you think that Tony killed This is like Star Wars all over again. What do you think about this obscure character? What? Who? Well, why do you think Tony killed Ralph? Who? <laughs> Ralph Cifaretto. Weren't we just now talking about Ralph Cifaretto? Yeah, my least favourite character. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, we were. Um, do you remember what? Do you remember how he was killed? I I don't know, but I imagine it was something deeply horrific. Right, I'll ask another question. How, okay. Why do you think Tony killed Christopher? <laughs> I'm not sure. In, on a strange level, I got the vibe that. Tony, sorry, I'm looking at the IMDb page. It was massively distracting. Uh, I got the strange vibe that Tony killed Christopher because... Oh, I don't know. I was watching it and it didn't occur to me to think of a reason. I was watching it and I just thought, you, oh, okay, yeah, Tony's you, killed Christopher. Do you know what I mean? Do you want to know the reason? Yeah, go on then. Be- because Heidi's car was a made man and Christopher's nose wasn't. That's why. What? <laughs> what? Heidi's car? I didn't think he drove around. No. So, t- do you remember the death scene? Do you- oh, jeez. You don't remember it? Barely. Do okay, so so Tony and Chris are driving, right? And, like, right? The, the episode is called uh, Kennedy and Heidi, or Heidi and Kennedy. And uh, okay. they almost crash into this car with Heidi mm. in the driver's seat and Kennedy in the passenger seat, these two teenage mm. girls. And they go off the road, and Tony is lying there. He's all right, and Chris is bleeding. Mm. And Tony obviously grabs his nose like that and and suffocates him. And Mm. the reason I said Heidi's car is a made man, because that's like the excuse that the mafiosos (laughs) give. It's like, he was a made man. That guy wasn't. It's like, that's... that's, If you're a big fan Mm. of the show, Mm. that's the sort of memes that people engage in. But... Oh, I see. Okay. I am a fan of the show. I just also appear <coughs> to have some kind of bizarre memory loss about these key things that happened in the show. Yeah, so fair enough. Um, well, I'll ask the biggest question Go on, of then. the entire night. And if you don't have a theory about this, I'm going to kill you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what do you think about the ending of the show? <gasps> what what happened to the ending? I don't know, Danny. You fucking oh you. No, of course I know. Of course I've watched the ending. Bloody hell! Certain um, certain people see him. He's a dead man. Um, no, it's um. Okay, my immediate thought upon watching the ending was, well, then Tony must have died. Yes, because it's like um in um in a book that doesn't exist <laughs> in the Fault in Our Stars. There's a book they talk about where uh the the book ends mid sentence and and the idea is that the character that was that was uh narrating this this fictional book just died yeah they had cancer and they just died so mm-hmm. the book just stopped so that was my immediate response upon watching the end of the sopranos however then naturally because we ha- live in a world where all of the information in the world is right at my fingertips i looked at like different theories about the end of the sopranos and what people think and stuff and um Oh, I forget who said this. I think it was David Chase said something like, it doesn't really matter because whether he died then, it doesn't matter because he would have died the next time he went to a diner for yeah, a meal with his family. Exactly. So it, it's kind of not really very important whether he died then yeah. or not because he was always going to die at some point. 
he's always going to be looking over his shoulder and all this sort of stuff. Uh, the one thing I didn't get, uh, sorry, have you got a theory about the the final scene? Oh yeah, he absolutely died in that diner. Um, the way that the way that they filmed it, um, mm. I think multiple people came into the restaurant, and every time, yes, you would get a shot of Tony looking up, and then a POV shot of the person coming in, so on and so forth. Uh, Meadow comes in at the end, and we go on Tony. And then the POV shot is blackness because Tony's been shot by the guy who went into the toilet. And it mm. uh, harkens back to The Godfather when yes. Michael Corleone goes into the toilet and gets the gun out of the cistern. Um, there's a lot more theories about like, Bobby one time saying, I bet you don't even hear it when it happens and stuff. And like mm. it's, it's, it's absolutely set up very nicely. At the beginning mm. of the mm. episode, Tony's like, lying as if he's like, in a coffin. Um, mm. But more than that, there's a there's a great um reviewer by the name of uh, Macab Storytelling who okay. has a theory about it and says that when Tony goes to visit his uncle Junior for the last time, mm. he realizes that he has to change his ways, and okay. we see that with how warm he is with Carmela. He's a bit mm. warmer. He like, grabs uh, Anthony Junior's hand like as if he's good, like pleased to see him and all that. And like mm. just like he was so close to learning his lesson, and maybe becoming mm. a good person, and is obviously killed before he can realise that. Mm. Um, I, I like that ending. That well, I mean, I don't like it, but, <laughs> yeah. but I, I admire the the storytelling aspect of it. That that certainly makes sense to me, and I, I quite I, I do I do like it in a funny way. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There was never any doubt in my mind that he didn't die in the diner. Um. The one thing I don't quite get about the ending is. Why was it relevant that Meadow was having such a hard time parking the car? I didn't, I yeah. didn't quite get it. Do you know what I mean? I didn't quite understand that. Is that relevant in some way? I think it was building like, tension. Like, okay. I, I remember when I was watching it, I was fucking shitting myself <laughs> because we're seeing we we all think everyone thinks Tony's gonna get shot here or something really bad's gonna happen. This is the last ever episode, and we've got mm. Meadow trying to park, and it's like, oh shit, is there someone in the car with her? Is the car gonna explode? Is like, you know, mm. is she gonna die? Like, we have no mm. idea, and it just builds tension, and it's it's really it's just it, it, I think that's that's entirely what it was. I mean, there might be some deeper yeah. meaning that, that I couldn't um think about um, but yeah, I think. You you know who killed Tony as well, don't you? Who who organised it? Um, n- no. Uh, it was uh, Polly and Patsy. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was like, th- I thought you were going to say because of what you were saying about um, what's his face being the in-universe version of the devil. I thought you were going to say, oh yeah, and of course he the metaphorical back. meaning of the person that orchestrated his death <laughs> is it's literally the devil. Yeah. The devil literally orchestrated his death. I mean, there is supernatural stuff in the Sopranos if you look closely. There's okay. the time that you see uh, Big Pussy in the uh, mirror. Um, mm. There's a scene with, uh, I think, uh, Silvio when a wine mm. glass moves in its own and stuff. Mm. So there mm. is supernatural stuff in it. Um, but mm. Which I think enhances it in a strange way because the, the yeah. thing that makes The Sopranos good is that it's a human experience of a thing that is not a human experience. Yeah, definitely. Of this, of this theoretical mob life. It's, it's, a, it's the, a human experience of that. And a human experience is enhanced by you, um, I don't want to say seeing ghosts, but by you sort of, um, well, 
seeing ghosts, I suppose. That's what enhances yeah. a human experience is the vibe that you get from something. And if you walk into a room and you're like, oh, it's cold and it's dark and I think there might be a presence in the room, that's enhancing, that enhances the human experience of the experience. Yeah. <laughs> I know I've said the word experience too many times now, but that's what makes The Sopranos good is that it's enhanced by its own enhancement. Yeah. I mean, the theory about Pauline and Patsy is that um, Patsy is raging that Tony killed his brother, Philly. Mm. And there's a there's a sort of a lot of imagery with the cat that, that that's in the sort of meat house where they are. And mm-hmm. the cat is like staring at the um portrait of Christopher after okay. after he dies and Tony's like he's probably there's probably a rat in the wall or something. And then mm. at the end of that, um the cat sort of looks at Polly, marking him as the rat. And then that's the last oh. time we see him. So that's the sort of theories that people have about it. Um, mm, mm. But it is a very human thing. And um, I like that that's... that Whether it be God or whether it be whatever sort of thing, there is a judgment on these characters that aren't... Mm, that isn't, mm. It isn't just, yeah, they just do things and we watch it. There is a sort of... No, we recognise that these people are pieces of shit. They need to be yeah. sort of judged for what they do rather mm, than just mm. you watch stuff and it happens. Um, but yeah. So how do you feel in, in that sense about Breaking Bad? In the sense of... Because in my feeling, anyway, Breaking Bad was always very, you watch stuff and it happens. Do you feel the character should have been judged more in Breaking Bad? Or, or did I watch it wrong? <laughs> well, it's interesting you say that because I think in terms of like an ending... The mm. Sopranos has the superior ending because Tony, mm. like, I think writers in general have a sort of fear of like not ending it amazingly mm. rather than just ending it when the story is supposed to come to an end, you know? Yeah. Um. Walter, um, Walter didn't get judged as much as he mm. should have because he yes. won... At the end of Breaking Bad, he got everything that he wanted. He took care of his family. He killed his enemies. He freed Jesse, and he got to die in like a meth lab. You know, mm, I mean, mm. on the face of that, if you haven't watched the show, it would seem like so far fetched. Like it's like, and there's a theory by uh, a comedian named Norm Macdonald who who's passed away recently. Yes, very sadly. Um, very sadly. Uh, that that didn't happen. And it was a oh. sort of fever dream that Walt mm. had while he was in the car before he left at the final episode. Right. And okay. I think that that would have been a better sort of ending for the show because mm, mm. it would mean that Walt has to suffer the consequences of his actions. Mm, just like mm. to... It would have been good to see Walt go to go to trial in a strange way. Yeah. That would have been quite nice to see, to see him sort of literally be put on the stand for it. Exactly. I mean, because the ethos of the show was to make Mr. Chips turn into Scarface, and Mm. they did that, but, like, you can't then give Scarface a victory if it's a warning about how a a seemingly okay person becomes a bad person, you know? Mm. Um, Mm. Whereas... Yeah, I mean, I, I... Sorry, go on. No, 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 on you go. Because I I took the ending a bit of a different way I think because it was um it uh, this is something I don't like in films but um, the 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 thing that films do where they tell the story of 
two characters doing something or whatever, and it starts when they first come up with the idea, and it ends when the idea is executed. Yeah. And it's a good example, I suppose, is Ocean's Eleven. Um, it, the, the start of the film is Danny coming up with the idea of, I will do a heist. Yeah. And then the end of the film is, I've done the heist, that's the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and that sounds like a very simple way to tell a story, but it, if you take it in a bit more of an abstract way, it can be a bit more complex, I suppose. Yeah. It's the only example... I'm, I'm, right, I'm going to use Breaking Bad as the example, as also a metaphor, and we're going to have a struggle, but we're going to do it. Okay. It sort of starts off with Walter... That's the Up until that point, I think he's just some bloke. Mm-hmm. And then I think he sort of... You can see him start to crack, and the kernel of, of him needing to build an empire and do something with his life. Yeah. You can see that start to form right at the start. And then you see the empire rise, and you see it fall, and the final scene of Breaking Bad is... No one will make that meth again. Yeah. No one will be Heisenberg again. Uh-huh. That's the end of the Empire. Because I sort of viewed it as a story about the Empire rather than a story about the man. I know that I'm wrong because it is a story about the man. Yeah. But I that's how I sort of viewed that ending relative to, to, to Walter White as a bloke. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. And um, mm. a lot of people have said that season four should have been where they finished it. Like even mm. though some plot points weren't li- addressed, because there are plot points in The Sopranos that are just not addressed at all. You know, like yeah. Silvio's in the hospital, and um, you know, whoever's organizing a hit on Tony, like you don't think Carmela would like want, you know, to to make sure she found out who it was, whether she's safe, mm. what's happening with Anthony Junior, who basically is his father by the end of the um the mm. show, who gets enjoyment mm. of other people's pain meadow who mm. was like the sort of beacon of light in the show um yeah is going to become a white collar criminal to defend other mobsters by the end of it you mm. know it's like it's interesting um but in season four of breaking bad walter becomes that bad person he mm. becomes scarface you know you see that final shot of confirming that he poisoned brock and that he killed gus fring that would have been mm. Mm the show's ethos would have been completed there. It's like you've made a seemingly nice man into an absolute monster, you know? But Mm. I I do like season five. I'm not saying we shouldn't have had season five. Ozymandias is the best uh, episode of television ever made. Um, You know, so it's it's give and take. Let me quickly Google it and then I'll confirm or deny. Yeah, when Hank Hank dies. Oh, yeah, that's a very good episode, yeah. Yeah. So it's... when the story's over, it's over. You don't need to just keep going because you feel like, oh, what happened to Mike, or you know, what's happening with the cameras. Mm. You know, mm. I guess it's, I guess it's up to the right. But um, yeah, I think I might be out of notes. I am out of notes. Yeah, yeah. on our ninetieth episode. On our ninetieth fucking episode. I know. Yeah. Um, do you have a closing statement? I do. Um. This was very depressing. I hope that for the hundredth episode, we pick a long-form show that's less depressing. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, he still doesn't have the makings of a varsity athlete. That's <laughs> what? Do you not remember that quote? I I remember the quote. I don't remember what bit of The Sopranos it's from. It's from Junior, who keeps repeating it because he keeps forgetting. And Tony's losing his shit. And Tony's like, I don't want oh. anyone to say that ever again. And because he's obviously like got dementia, mm. Junior just keeps saying it. And Tony's like, God fucking damn it! He's just <laughs> losing his shit. 
any any video of a Sopranos clip, you will see mm. people in the comment section saying he never had the makings of a varsity athlete. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. So that was the that was your Sopranos. That was the Sopranos. It was. Um, should we do some horrible capitalist shilling, Lewis? Yes, let's do some horrible, horrible capitalist chilling. Yeah. Um, we all have link trees. Uh, Lewis's link tree is linktr.ee slash Lewis underscore Brindley. Mine's is slash O'Hiram. And the podcast is slash Shouting Into The Void. There you will find our socials, our Instagram, our YouTube, our Facebook. So go, have a look, give us a like, give us a follow, give us a subscribe and stick around mm. for more <laughs> awesome content. <laughs> Um, yeah, I enjoyed that voice. That was nice and terrifying. I won't be sleeping tonight. <laughs> quite right, quite right. Uh, we also have a PayPal donate button. Um, so anything you can spare, anything at all, would be uh, greatly appreciated. Uh, and we also have Patreon. And we want to take the opportunity, as we do every single week, to thank our wonderful, wonderful patrons. We have some patrons in the Discord right now. We and we just want to thank you guys for, for sticking around, sticking with us. Um, yep. Chloe. Thank you. Darius. Thank you. Peter. Thank you. Aditya. Thank you. Natalie. Thank you. And Doogie. Thank you, one and all. You really do make the show possible. And I've been trying to look away from my webcam for this entire thing because I knew it would be weird. But now I'm looking directly into it. Thank you very much for making the show possible and allowing us to get to 90 episodes, which is utterly absurd when you really take a step back and think about it. Jesus. Um, But it does mean the world that we're allowed to make this show. Not allowed, that you allow us to make this show. And it really does mean the world that um, you support us. And we have this very concrete gesture of your support, and it really does mean the world. So thank you. Yes. Um, If you would like to join their esteemed ranks... You can go to shoutingintothevoid.com. No, hang on. Patreon.com slash shoutingintothevoid. And you can uh, check out the different tiers and ranks and all the things we've got going on. Uh, so go and take a cheeky look and have a look and treat yourself. Why not? Absolutely. Um, we also have merch on Teespring and Redbubble. We sell tote bags. We sell jumpers. We sell stickers. We sell uh, uh, T-shirts. All sorts of shit. <laughs> Get yourself something nice mm-hmm. because Christmas will be here before you know it. And uh, you'll be disappointed if you don't get in. <laughs> so, uh, and last but certainly not least, we are partnered with an amazing company called Number 12 Crochet Avenue. And Lewis is going to say some wonderful things about them, all of which are true. Indeed I am. Number 12 Crochet Avenue is a wonderful company run by my wonderful wife in which they crochet and they're very, very good at it. And if you would like to keep up to date with all the wonderful things going on in the world of crochet and some beautifully aesthetically pleasing content, then you can go to at number 12 Crochet Avenue on Instagram and give it a cheeky like, a follow, all those things, and you can check out what's going on over there. Thank you. Thank you. Well. That's, that was 90 episodes. That was Isn't that crazy? That 90 episodes. Do you remember when we started this shit, Lewis? I do. I remember sitting in a in a hotel room for hours, oh, talking about um, ex machina. We were talking about ex machina. That was it. Good lord! Wow, that's quite something. Well, here's to ninety more. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, thanks so much, folks. And uh, yeah. yeah, we have one last thing to do before we go, mm-hmm. and it's to announce next week's episode. This is the format that we're going to be keeping. Um, but yeah, if you don't... Have lo- you seen what Darius has just put in the chat? What did he put? <laughs> I didn't think you'd last this long. <laughs> Fuck's sake, Darius. What? Thanks, Darius. Listen, you pay, listen, oh. you pay for this. Dougie said, cruel, 
Interesting you say that, Dougie, because... We're doing Cruella. Hey, Hey, there we go. The Disney one. Um, Yeah, with um, Emma Stone and Emma Thompson. Yes, two Emmas. I'm sure that won't get confusing when we're talking about No, 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 no. Saying who is... With Emma and Emma. And then we'll get nice and confused straight away. Both Emmas. Both Emmas. (laughs) Both Emmas. Um, The only two Emmas in Hollywood. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Emma... Is it Emma Watson? Oh, yeah. Emma Emma Watson's (laughs) sitting there raging. Uh, But, yeah. (laughs) Emma Watson's in the corner in Cruella. She's more like a party goer or something in the background. Yeah. They're all... All three of them are contractually obliged that they have to be in the same films always. Always. Um, Always. Mm. But, yeah. So, (laughs) thank you, folks. And uh, tune Mm. in next week for... Yes. Cruella. Cruella, yes. We will see you, hear you, smell you... uh, Give you some gabagool next time. Gabagool. We, I, I, I don't think I will give you gabagool. I don't even know where I would go about getting gabagool. I've, uh, I, in theory, if I had some, I would offer it to you. I've got a but guy. I do not. I've got a guy. <laughs> Tony Soprano is your yeah, guy. I got a guy. Yeah. Uh, you never heard the makings of a varsity, right? We're gone. <laughs> Goodbye. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>